0: In Richtlinien so vorgenommen worden sind, wie wir das für richtig halten. Das heißt... take the wayfarers off and hand them to him. Maybe I really did kill a Solly. Though I'm positive that any cab drivers I've killed lately were not American. I probably did. There probably is a wanted poster of me at... where the taxi, the... the place where all the taxis congregate. What's it called? The driver tries the sunglasses on, looks at himself in the rearview mirror and then takes them off. He folds the glasses and puts them in his jacket pocket. You're a dead man, I smile grimly at him. "'And you're a yuppie scumbag,' he says. "'You're a dead man, Abdullah,' I repeat, no joke. "'Count on it. "'Yeah, and you're a yuppie scumbag. "'Which is worse?' He starts the cab up and pulls away from me. While walking back to the highway, I stop, choke back a sob, my throat tightens. I just want (sighs) to... Facing the skyline, through all the baby talk, I murmur, "'Keep the game going.' As I stand, frozen in position, an old woman emerges behind a three-penny opera poster at a deserted bus stop, and she's homeless and begging, hobbling over, her face covered with sores that look like bugs, holding out a shaking red hand. Oh, will you please go away, I sigh. She tells me to get a haircut. Oh, hi there. You caught me reading a hateful story. How bigoted of you. Actually that was a section from American Psycho by Bret Easton Ellis a book that has been very controversial since before its publication being rejected by publishers all over the world, and demonized by many who have never even read it, and are therefore unable to see it as the black comedy and poignant satire that it is. Here at Screaming Eye Press, we are committed to freedom of expression in all its forms. This is why we have created Horrible Little Stories. Stories they don't want you to read. A collection of horror and dark fantasy stories by Joe Lansdale, Gary Reiser, Elizabeth Massey, Jack Dan, Richard Christian Matheson, G. Wayne Miller, Ray Garton, A.J. Lance, and more. All proceeds will be donated to the anti-censorship organization, the Foundation for Individual Rights in Expression, or The Fire, found at thefire.org. What is freedom of expression? Without the freedom to offend, it ceases to exist. Salman Rushdie And if we've offended you with this commercial, then just turn it off for fuck's sake.
1: Strictly for the Birds Written by Lindsay Stewart Read by Wesley Critchfield My name is Mason, and I have a pretty wife and two children. At least, I had a pretty wife. Now I only have the two children. They, thank God, were too young and innocent to fully comprehend the real horror of what happened in a park in North London, Last Sunday week. My wife, Elizabeth, now lies in a hospital in Ipsum, her face distorted with fear and disgust. They tell me she screams a lot, even in the daytime. They tell me she'll never be pretty again. We used to live near Regent's Park Road. We've moved now away from Primrose Hill, away from any park from any birds. Of course, of course, the children don't understand any of this. Or I don't think they do. Why can't we go and play on the swings now, Daddy? They ask. I can never tell them. Is it because of that man, Daddy? They ask. I always make some poor excuse. But I think they notice the beads of sweat on my forehead. They notice that I can't look at them in the eyes. Not anymore. It's a pity they should have learned to sense evil so young. Many of us go through life without ever having to admit that there is real evil in the world. Perhaps one is shaken by some appalling crime beyond human comprehension. For example, take Christie. Even so, you forget the whole thing until such an evil touches you personally. Then you can never know peace again. This is the story of how my wife found madness and how I learned never to sleep with my eyes shut. Every Sunday afternoon my wife and I and the children would walk down Fitzroy Avenue along Regent's Park Road skirting the gates of Primrose Hill to the zoo After we'd made our customary rounds of the elephants, the goats who ate our hats and gloves, the tigers, the bush babies, Tigger the lynx, Goldie the eagle, and the snake pit, we'd let the children play in the sand, on the swings, and seesaws at the foot of Primrose Hill. Harmless enough, you might think. How could one imagine that on Primrose Hill, every Sunday afternoon, with the sun playing among the crocuses, that such a repulsive rite was performed. You'll find it hard to believe what I'm going to tell you, but it's true. I know. I was there. In fact, I saw it many times. I even joined in. At least until I realized. But let me give you a clue. Have you ever noticed how fat and healthy the Primrose Hill pigeons are? If you have, score one, you're halfway to evil. We'd been in the park many times before we noticed the old man in his wheelchair, and the valet. The old man was always covered in blankets, wore dark glasses, and odd plastic gloves of a peculiar pattern. I thought then that perhaps he had some skin complaint, and that his gloves protected his frail hands "'from the sun and the wind. "'His face was rather pitted, "'and his complexion was sallow and wrinkled. "'Of course my wife noticed him at once. "'At three o'clock in the afternoon "'the old man would be wheeled through the gates "'by a tall, dark man of about forty. "'They would always rest in one place, "'with a bag of what appeared to be breadcrumbs. "'His toothless mouth miming soundless words. "'Then, together, they would feed the pigeons.' Both of them had noticed my wife and me. The old man tried to smile at the children a few times. His red tongue flapped in his mouth, as though it were desperately trying to say something to them. Poor thing, my wife observed. It was some weeks before we actually approached the old man, and I had sensed that something was wrong, though I did not know what then. I tried to stop my wife from going near him, but she merely said, Who to me. "'The valet did not seem to welcome visitors, "'and discouraged conversation in his silence. "'The old man smiled. "'My wife talked about the weather. "'He handed her a white paper bag, "'indicating that she should feed "'the clustering throng of pigeons around his chair. "'She threw a handful of the contents to the birds, "'and they all rushed towards it, "'fighting and flapping over each morsel. "'The crumbs were rather green, "'very soft and crumbly.' "'like rotten cheese.' "'My wife grimaced when she touched it. "'With a lift of her eyebrows, "'she asked what it was that the birds were gobbling up so ravenously. "'But the old man flapped his plastic-covered fingers "'and crowed with delight. "'The valet gazed into the distance and said nothing. "'He turned the wheelchair around abruptly "'and pushed the old man out of the park. "'Although on subsequent Sunday afternoons "'we helped the old man to feed pigeons,' I was invariably reluctant. I didn't know why. I began to notice that he seemed to be shrinking a little. Old age? Senility? Some curious disease? I didn't know. For instance, on the last Sunday in May, I noticed that a corner of the blanket which covered his legs had slipped. He only had one leg. Poor old boy, said Elizabeth. There must have been something so terribly wrong that they had to operate. A few weeks later, the other leg had gone. After that, we watched him from a distance. Perhaps we couldn't bear to see him crumble away completely. The victim of a mind and body destroying fungus, some parasite eating his limbs, day by day, spreading in a slow death wherever it moved. Perhaps it was the smell of him. It lingered in the air when he had gone, or perhaps we sensed in our inner minds that something sickening and ugly was taking place. Could it have been that? On the Saturday night following the incident of the legs, I heard my wife moaning in her sleep. She would fumble with the sheets, cry a little, turn her body over and over in our bed. I put my arms about her, trying to comfort her. She mumbled something about arms and repeated it several times as though she were desperately seeking an answer to a question. She woke up very suddenly about four in the morning, crying. I pulled her to me and asked her what was wrong and kissed her. She shivered in my arms. "'shook her head, and fell asleep. "'The next day we saw the old man again. "'My wife seemed obsessed by him. "'This time she went to him and peered at him closely. "'He had shrunk a great deal. "'He seemed to be half the size he had been before. "'Elizabeth could see black sockets behind the glasses. "'His arms were wrapped in bandages.' strapped around him covered with a shawl this time there was no crow of delight no flapping fingers no fingers the old man was a lump of bandaged rotten flesh limbless, eyeless suddenly he said something in a low, crackling whisper the only words Elizabeth had ever heard from him he said urgently feed them "'Feed them,' the valet said. "'Go away! Don't interfere! He's very ill!' My wife ran back to me, pausing only to look behind her and see the attendant produce the usual large bag of evil-smelling crumbs for the pigeons, who fought wildly around the chair, perching on the back and arms. After that... "'Elizabeth's state of mind deteriorated rapidly. "'I took her to her doctor, "'who gave her some iron pills and told her she needed rest. "'She took to sitting in an armchair in the corner of the room, "'fumbling with her fingers, "'picking at a piece of thread in the cushion. "'She said very little, answering questions in a monotone. "'I meant to take her to a psychiatrist of my acquaintance in Winpole Street.' On Sunday, we went to the park as usual. I didn't want Elizabeth to come with us, but she insisted. The children were happily playing on the swings. Elizabeth sat on the bench, gazing with utter concentration at the entrance to Primrose Hill. I was reading the color sections. When I looked up from the magazines, she had left my side and was standing fifty yards in front of me, facing the gate. I think she was talking to herself. My watch told me that it was three o'clock. This time, only the valet came through the gate. No wheelchair. No old man. Only an umbrella. And a bag of crumbs. Larger than usual. I think she knew what was coming. My wife turned to me and screamed at the top of her voice. The valet dropped the bag, fled, the soft, green, fleshy crumbs spilling on the grass.